The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. one 800 913 You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. I don't even know where to begin today. Yes, I do. Let's start right here. Let's start right here with we are now 20 hours, 54 minutes, and 10 seconds from Jim Comey's testifying. Unless you're watching Fox, and Fox says we're 21 hours. Hello, friends. Michael Pelka, live from Dallas, from the Blaze Beehive, the beautiful Blaze Beehive, covering uh, so much today that uh, my head might explode. You want to join the conversation today? 888 Jeff's on the phones. Shamat's pushing the buttons. We have some things that are going to make you laugh, some things that might make you cry, and some things that might you make you stand up and go, oh, hell no, like they did me. So we have a, a bunch of things to cover today. As, as, you know, Congress is kind of doing this hearing today, with uh, Jim Dan Coates, the director of national intelligence, they're trying to find out did uh, did the president influence anybody to to stop investigating Michael Flynn? Did we before Comey comes in? They're trying to ask everybody possible. Can you find out? Did you know? Did you hear from anybody? This is such such sophomore year in high school cafeteria chatter that it just makes me say. What the hell are you doing, Senate Intel Committee? You're not going to find out anything. I don't know if you're going to find out anything tomorrow. But what you will do is get FaceTime, which is currency in D.C. So much, so much going on here. It really makes me mad. And and then I want to I want to hoot and holler because I want to tell everybody what a genius Donald Trump is. Did Mike really say that? Yes, Mike really said Donald Trump is a genius. Why do I think Donald Trump is a genius? Well, I hope he's getting things done in the background while all this is going on. Again, I'm not the guy who was out there pitching Trump. He was not my first choice. He's a better choice than Hillary Clinton uh, in a thousand years. But... He was not my first choice. So when I say that Donald Trump is a genius, you guys have to know I'm up to something. 
And I am. I'm up to something. I'm up to sharing with you why I think this guy who I voted for but didn't support, why I think he's, he's making them all run in circles and how he's done it. And I think all you have to do is point to this, this latest round of investigations. Trump yesterday met with a bunch of leaders on Capitol Hill, mostly Republicans, of course, and he's pushing his agenda. He's trying to get as much done as possible while, while the Senate is fiddling as Rome burns. And we are watching as hearing after hearing after hearing comes up with nothing. Senator Warner even said two days ago, well, there's no real connection. We haven't really found anything. Uh, there's no collusion. We have no proof of it. What did they find out? Well, we already knew that the Democrats' computer systems were a mess. They were the easiest thing to hack. We knew that. We knew the Russians tried to get into everything. And how do we know this? Because we were doing the same thing in every other election we wanted to influence. It's what world powers do. They try and control all of it. So trying to do it from, from a Russia or America doesn't make it any less evil. But we know Russia tried to get into the voter rolls. Now, some on the left are saying, well, that just proves that they were out to change vote. No, it doesn't. It proves nothing. It proves they were poking at our system in every place they could. It just proves that Russia is as evil as we believed. Russia is as evil as Mitt Romney believed in 2012 when he brought it up as the greatest threat during the debate. And what did Barack Obama tell him, which got thunderous response from the left? Well, 1980 called and they want their foreign policy back. And now here we are in 2017 and guess what? Romney was right. Obama was wrong, and you could just keep that on a loop. Obama was wrong. Here we have Russia, the greatest threat that we've seen in, in a long time since the Cold War. And the Democrats are acting like we didn't warn you. We didn't tell you this was going to be a problem. So just be quiet and start, keep wasting time. Keep wasting time. I think this is going to be payback. In uh, 2018, uh, I'm, I'm concerned there may be some losses in the House just because there are a bunch of confused, angry people. But the Senate, which has more Democrats up for re-election than it has Republicans, the Senate could even shift towards a greater GOP majority. And that would be wonderful for Donald Trump. So uh, just write that down on this date. June 7th, Michael Pelka said the Senate has a greater chance of picking up a bigger GOP majority than, than the House does having a, a risk of losing seats. Like I said, there may be a couple of seats, but when you're 40 plus. Oh, speaking of the House, oh my gosh. You know there's a special election, right? There's a special election uh, going on in Georgia because Donald Trump actually... Um, actually made a big change when he pulled a, a congressional rep out of Georgia 
and brought him into his cabinet. So now there's a, a special election going on after the the original runoff, and now the last two are going. And it's the Democrat named Ossoff against Karen Handel. And just a sidebar, this guy Ossoff, do you, do you think he had a bunch of people twisting his name around a little bit? Yeah, I think so. You, you got to feel bad for him. And now he's been picked for this, this special election. Well, something very interesting uh, happened last night in the election. It, uh, it turned out to be, uh, I thought, the best moment of, of the debate that they had. This was um, John, uh, is his name John Ossoff? I have to make sure it's, yes, John Ossoff. It's J-O-N Ossoff. And Karen Handel. And they were, they were talking, uh, uh, they were going back and forth on this live, live debate. And um, Ossoff tried a couple of different ways to put her on her heels. And one of those had to do with health care. Uh, Ossoff is the guy who, who will... Um, use any party line he can to go after Handel. Any party line he can to, to attack her. And so while, while they were talking about this, uh, this, this issue of health care, well, there was health care and there was livable wage and then there was who are you voting for in this election? Who are you going to vote for? Uh, well, Ossoff asked Karen Handel about health care. And um, her response was just perfect. And I don't know, if, if you are the Democrats and your candidate gets blindsided by a question, um, then, then you just have to you wonder about the debate prep that they're doing. You have to wonder if they're, if they're that smart. Here's one of the moments from last night's debate in Georgia. What I would like to know is exactly who are you going to vote for in this election? Did you catch that? Can you imagine a candidate asking her opposition? And we're through the runoff now, so it's just the two of them. Karen Handel is asking her, her opponent who he's, who he's going to vote for. And notice the pause and then notice how he tries to reframe it so he doesn't have to answer it. But I think this is a big deal. What I would like to know is exactly who are you going to vote for in this election? Is that the question? Okay. Uh, well, I so he tried to stare her down when she said, who are you going to vote for? He paused because he had no answer. And then he looked at her and he tried to stare her down and they locked eyes. And then I think he realized, uh-oh. Now here's the deal. John Ossoff can't even vote for himself because he doesn't live in the district. The Democrats put up a candidate who does not live in the district that he's running to represent. I, th I think this is brilliant. A brilliant question when you finally get a chance to ask your opponent a question that Karen Handel gave him this shot. Now, he tries to recover from this. There are two things I want to particularly pay attention to here. The fact that 
that uh, John Ossoff is, is not in the district is one problem. The second thing here, what have we heard from Democrats for the last year, year and a half? Women need to get up and run. We need more women involved in the process. We need more women running. We need more women elected. That's fine. If they're the most qualified person, yes, that person should be able to win that election. They should be running. So are you telling me in the entire district that, that these two are facing off to represent in that entire district, you couldn't find A, somebody who lived in the district, and B, you couldn't find a female who could handle the job? That's the biggest thing that points right at me and goes, look how weak the Democrats are. Look how absolutely weak they are. And let's listen to Ossoff's answer. It's the answer that he's been sitting on since he uh, did well in the runoff election. And now we're coming up in the, the special earlier edition where there were like 14 people. Now we're down to the final special election. But this is the answer he's been giving for a while. Secretary Handel's referring to my residence, uh, which is a matter that I've addressed transparently uh, throughout this campaign. Uh, I grew up in the 6th Congressional District. Uh, I was born and raised in Georgia, unlike Secretary Handel, who was born and raised in Washington, D.C. Aha! You were born and raised in Washington, D.C. Didn't you have something to do with where you were born, Miss Handel? How dare you be born in Washington, D.C.? I was born in the 6th District. You know, here's the point. Handel chose to live in the 6th District. This guy chooses not to live in the 6th District. He's living with his girlfriend, maybe fiancé, who's becoming a doctor. But yeah, he was born in the 6th District, doesn't live in the 6th District. There's more on this. There's more embarrassment from... From this debate, and uh, I want to share with you what Karen Handel did when he asked about health care and what the current GOP proposed bill would do. I thought it was uh, another good moment. But this guy, if, if they can't win this race, if the GOP can't win this race, despite the fact the, the uh, Democrats are pouring tens of millions of dollars into this one congressional district, if the GOP can't defeat a weak candidate like this, then I, I got issues with him. But I think there's, there's more to expose on this guy's weakness. We'll talk about this, uh, this race and a little bit more after the break on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. You're listening to Pure Opelka 
with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Irony alert, irony alert. I'm monitoring the uh, Senate intel hearing that is grilling the intelligence chiefs and giving them a hard time for not answering questions. Isn't that what intelligence people are supposed to do? They're supposed to keep stuff secret. And we've got television. So why are we wasting all this time? Gigantic waste of time. All right, irony alert over. Back to the uh, little bit of coverage from the Georgia special election going on in the 6th District where Republican Karen Ossoff, who lives in the 6th District, is taking, uh, Karen Handel, is taking on John Ossoff, who doesn't live in the 6th District. He's the Democrat. So you have the Republican Karen Handel against John Ossoff, and uh, they're talking health care. And I don't know if he was properly prepped when he set up this little question time. I met a little boy uh, about a month ago named Matt, who came out to canvas with the campaign, knock on some doors. He's seven years old, uh, came out with his family, and he was born with a heart condition, a pre-existing condition. And he's able to get coverage right now because there are protections for children like that with pre-existing conditions. But Secretary Handel supports a bill that would gut the protections for Americans with pre-existing conditions, hundreds of thousands of them here in Georgia. Secretary Handel sees fit to impose her own views on Georgians' health care decisions. And this is a consistent pattern in Secretary Handel's career. She saw fit to impose her own views on health care decisions of Georgians when she was an executive at the Susan G. Komen Foundation, a charity committed to fighting breast cancer, when she imposed her own views and cut off funding for breast cancer screenings at Planned Parenthood. And I think the question that I have, and that many voters in the 6th District have, is why Secretary Handel thought it was reasonable when she took a job at an organization dedicated to fighting breast cancer to impose her own views and cut off funding for life-saving breast cancer screenings at Planned Parenthood. Okay, great setup, right? I would want to know the answers to those questions. I don't think Mr. Ossoff was prepared. And here she comes, ready for everything. If I might. And I'm going to answer both of them with all due respect. Number one, John, my sister has a pre-existing condition. She was born without an esophagus. And for you to suggest that I would do anything that would negatively affect her is absolutely outrageous and unacceptable. The facts are, ladies and gentlemen, that the bill, the bill in the Senate right now, it provides more protections for individuals with pre-existing conditions. No, you would not be able to be rejected from a plan. If you have a plan on the Obamacare exchange or another plan, you cannot be charged more, nor can you be told that you can't have a plan because of your pre-existing condition. And in regards to Komen... First, first let me interject. Do, do you think somebody on Ossoff's team should have known that... This woman's sister had a pre-existing condition. Do you think somebody should have prepped him? You know, I what an ass-off this guy must feel like. I just got some stares. Do we need to bleep that? No. Now here she answers the Susan G. Komen question. For anyone to think that as one individual employee, I was able to wave a magic wand and make something like that happen. It was a business decision ultimately decided by the board of Komen. And I have been working on women's health issues for nearly my entire life. 
I work for Marilyn Quayle, coordinating her breast cancer activities, helping to get October established as Breast Cancer Awareness Month, helping to get the first Office of Women's Health established at the NIH. At Komen, I was instrumental in protecting the funding at the state level and the federal level for the breast and cervical cancer screening program. And on top of that, I have held the hand of friends who have fought breast cancer and other types of women's reproductive cancers. And I will not, not be lectured by you or anyone else. That sounds like a Democrat telling a Republican male, you can't lecture me on female health issues. I can't believe this guy even has a, a, a chance, although they have poured over $20 million into one district have the Democrats. It's a serious issue. Serious election. Right now, based on all the tabulations from the polls, it's neck and neck. Handel should be able to win this based on that debate. We'll see. Polling will come out. Dr. Jorge joins us next. Let's get a health check update on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. It's Wednesday. That means it's Wellness Wednesday. And that also means we get a, a, a little private time, a session with the doctor. The doctor is in and we're, we're lucky. We're very lucky. As a matter of fact, my buddy, Dr. Jorge, and you should follow him on Twitter, at Dr. Jorge MD. Um, my buddy, Dr. Jorge only follows 600 people on the Twitter. He's, he's discriminating. He picks and chooses who he follows. And I just have to wonder, cause I know you follow me and I follow you. Aren't you worried about being investigated by the government for following me? <laughs> Actually I am. I, right now I'm, I'm kind of, I get concerned about following people, which is really sad. And also about even saying certain things, which it shouldn't be, but I know you're joking. And no, I'm not, I'm not concerned Good. about, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not concerned about being able to follow anybody or say or speak my mind. So that's, that's good. America. Yeah. You and I, you and I are in lockstep on that first amendment. And that's one of the great Absolutely. things that allows us to do what we do here every day. Now, Dr. Horry is going to talk about something that was freaking me out. Cause I only know a, a, a tiny little bit about it, but I have a couple of questions real quickly. I want to get to, sure. um, I have a friend who came back from South America recently and said that he goes now to an iridologist, a doctor who basically just looks real close at his eyes and reads the little points within the eyes, you know, the, where the, the interior of the eye and can tell you what's mm -hmm. wrong with everything in your body. He goes like, if there's, if this part in the, like say the 10 o'clock notch on your eye is doing one thing and has to do with your liver or something. Is this real science? Is this real? Not from what you're telling me. It's not. Um, <laughs> Okay. I mean, there are much better doctors than I am. You can get a lot of information by looking, obviously, at, at a person's eye. You can get 
see if they're infected. You can see if they're yellow, right, which means that their liver's bad. And you can also get a lot of information by looking through the iris, the pupil, into the back, into the retina. You can tell whether people have diabetes by certain changes, I mean, or, or longstanding damage is what you can tell, or high blood pressure. So there are some things, you know, that you can tell by looking at the eye. You know, I'll give them that. But by the time it shows up in the eye, there's been a lot of long-term damage done. But just to look at the eye, you know, and sort of say, hey, you know, this is what's wrong with you, um, I would be suspicious of that. Yeah, I think he might have been on an ayahuasca trip at the same time. I have to have a little talk with him after this. So I'm just saying. And uh, last week, uh, you you posted something, as a matter of fact, just like exactly a week ago, saying, and I'm not putting you on Front Street, but I just have questions. Uh, this was a tweet you posted last week. I'm going on a weight loss program, inter- live internet every week. Who yes. wants to join me? What is this about, doctor? All right, what this is about, and I was going to say something about that at the end of the, of the episode, because um, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go live until we decided on Wednesday. I think it's June 21st, right before summer starts. I signed um, a deal with a new Internet platform that's, that's owned, actually, by the Holly, Planet Hollywood people. Huh. What it is is I am going to have a live chat every week, um, on a, it's called Collide, C-O-L-O-I-D-E. It's a Collide, Collide channel. They have people from health, people from entertainment, and you can actually see me talk live and ask me questions on a live feed. And when they brought this up, I didn't want to do just a regular boring doctor show, so I thought, what is the most important thing to me personally that I'd like to do, and what, what can I do that might affect the most people? And it is actually weight loss. I have always, I mean, you know me, I've gone yeah. up and down on my weight. I've always had a weight issue. Over 600,000 Americans die of heart disease, which is weight related. 75% of all Americans are either considered technically obese or overweight, and it's the number one problem. So, what would be better, all right, than the physician healing himself? So, I am going to weigh in and go on the same health and diet program. All right. Over the span of three months, as I recommend to people, you can follow my progress. We can follow your progress. We're going to form this sort of community. And then from then on, we may just do it, you know, on, on different topics. And I was doing and I'm going to be doing it on wellness, on Wednesday so it can coincide with with Wellness Wednesday. And there'll be more information on that. So but we're going to go live. Um, June, well, I think it's Wednesday, June 21st or 22nd, the day right before summer. You know, and um, we already we already tried one, um, which was an hour long and just for a select people. And and it went beautifully. We actually stayed live for an hour as opposed to the 30 minutes. So that's that's what it's about. And I'll be giving more information before it starts. Who knows? You know, it'll be the whole the private little the Dr. Jorge channel um, on (laughs) Collide Network on the Internet. It's about time. But that's great. I and I understand your commitment to health through uh, better management of weight. It's something we all can be smarter about. Oh my and God. You've Absolutely. always, you've always advocated for uh, portion control and being more active in ways that we can not just be lighter, but be less prone to really troubling yeah. things like diabetes. And then I, yeah. so I, I'm in, but I'll, I, I don't know about weighing myself live on the, on well, you the, don't have to. No, I, I, I will be weighing myself live. 
you know what, I have to walk the, the walk and talk the talk. And, and I'm friends with, with Oz and, you know, with, with Sanjay. And they seem to be like perfect guys, you know. But I think one of the things that make people relate to doctors is the fact that we're not perfect. We were humans before we were doctors. We all have our issues. And I think people can relate to that. But one thing that I'm going to do about this is more of the emotional component of being heavy. You know? mm-hmm. So anyway, it's, it's a long thing. So I, I think it'll be really interesting, you know, and uh, let's see. Let's see if uh, anybody salutes it. Well, good. Uh, I'm saluting it and we'll certainly <laughs> support it as well. And we'll talk about it on future Wellness Wednesdays. But let's get to this week. What the heck is this new disease you've got me freaking out, not being able to sleep you, at night? Well, you you freak out about a lot of stuff. I you do. Know what? A lot of it is worth it's worth freaking out over. Here's the bottom line. You know, we talk about viruses all the time. People need to realize that the virus, any virus is the most elemental, almost organism known in the world. It is basically just a little bit of DNA or RNA. It can mutate. So it is not unusual for new viruses either to be discovered or to come up out of nowhere. It's just a little bit of genetic material wrapped in a protein envelope. What's been happening or has been sort of science has noticed, doctors have noted back since 2014 is that a lot of young kids and infants get a cold or flu and almost immediately start becoming paralyzed. Something that's very reminiscent of polio. Um, Now, we can see something similar to this after almost any flu flu or or virus infection. It's called Guillain-Barre syndrome, and it is a transient, which means it doesn't last forever, paralysis. Imagine what happens. Your body is invaded by a virus. Your body makes antibodies to fight that off. Some of these antibodies, I mean, the body makes mistakes. Some of these antibodies don't go to fight the virus. They actually attack some of your body's own protein because they might be similar to the virus's protein. Mm. And some of those proteins may be in the spinal cord since, you know, blood flows everywhere. Yeah. What's unusual is the high degree of kids um, that are becoming paralyzed. Most of them resolve spontaneously, but a lot of them have had permanent paralysis. And it's of concern, obviously. So they, they think that they've narrowed it down to a virus called an enterovirus. It's actually enterovirus number 68. Enterovirus is a virus that can get into you, entero, you know, and affect your lungs and give you diarrhea. So right now, there isn't much that can be done, but let me make parents aware that if their child or if they contract a flu-type illness or rip-roaring intestinal diarrhea, and soon after that, you start feeling like an arm is weaker than normal, there's trouble breathing because sometimes the, the diaphragm is being affected, then you should go see your doctor as soon as possible. Because the word acute, acute flaccid paralysis or myelitis, acute means that it can, it's very quick and it can happen within 12 to 24 hours where things get worse. And if it affects your diaphragm and you can't expand your lungs to breathe, that's a bad thing. Hmm. Some people may need to be put on a ventilator. Um, wow, it does, it does mirror polio. Uh huh. Wow! It, so yeah. it it presents like, oh my gosh, polio's back, and and yeah. I, that's got to be scary as hell. It is. It isn't polio, 
um, it isn't anywhere near um, the degree of affecting people that polio did. you got to remember, there was a time in the United States where hundreds of thousands of people were being paralyzed on a yearly basis, including, you know, one of our presidents. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and that was, I mean, it's super dangerous. Um, so my take-home message for this for people, all right, is you know that I am very pro-vaccines. I'm very pro-science. Yep. Um, you don't want kids to get any of the preventable flu or viral illnesses, all right, including polio, which kids need to be vaccinated against because they all can lead to something like this. So speak with your pediatrician, your kid's pediatrician, vaccinate them, you know, in a way that you feel is safe for them. I believe all vaccines are safe, but that's me. And be aware, you know, kids should get the flu vaccine every year. The parents should get the flu vaccine every year. But if your kid does come down with some sort of illness that has fever, you know, chills, Um, watch them very closely. If they start having symptoms of weakness of the arms or the legs or breathing, rush them to their doctor immediately. Okay. I'm, I'm very thankful because I know this audience, there's a lot of them with kids. There's a lot of them with grandkids and, and it's very, it's very important. And you don't hear this. The news isn't covering this because we're busy covering stuff that isn't really that important until 20 mm-hmm. hours from now, you know, so when, when that'll happen. I have, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. I know that. I know exactly you have no idea. Right. Uh, DrJorge.com is where you should follow him. He's here every Wednesday with our weekly appointment with the doctor. And I'm very excited about this Collide channel, soon to become the Dr. Jorge channel. And uh, we'll, we'll be there along the way with you, my friend. But thank you for this I love information. It. Thank you, Mike. Keep doing the good work. Sir. Thank you. Appreciate you. Have a, right. have a great rest right. of your day, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back. Dr. Jorge, always just great information, and uh, he regularly scares the hell out of me. I just have to appreciate him for that. I gotta, um, I gotta throw a little, uh, a little stink on Jerry Seinfeld. I, I know he's not an old guy, and I know he's not a young guy, but I thought he'd be aware, a little bit more aware. Uh, he was at an event with Variety magazine and um, standing in front of the, they're on the red carpet in front of the celebrity backdrop where reporters interview you. And Jerry Seinfeld showed just how out of touch he is with, with pop culture. Uh, Kesha, the pop star was there. You know, I'm not exactly uh, part of the youth group here at the blaze. I might be the most senior person on the on the Blaze Radio staff, I'm not sure, but I know who Kesha is. And so Jerry's there and this this woman comes running up to him. She's also on the red carpet and you would assume you would assume that somebody who's as famous as Jerry Seinfeld would know when somebody runs up to you like that on the red carpet that they too are famous especially considering the outfit she had on. And so listen to what happens is Jerry's having a little interview with a guy from a local TV station and Kesha approaches 
and all she wanted was a hug. It's hard to just sleep when you're tired because people are tired most of the time. Oh gosh, I love you so much. Oh, thanks. Can I give you a hug? No, thanks. Please? No, thanks. A little one. Yeah, no, thanks. Oh. <laughs> I don't know who that was. Yeah, that's Kesha. Okay. Well, I wish her the best. <laughs> so Seinfeld standing there, I think he realizes as she's walked away that he's turned a celebrity, another celebrity away. And as she says, first of all, Jerry Seinfeld, I love you so much. Okay. Thank you. Can I get a hug? No. Now, she, she's approaching him, and he puts up the two hands, kind of like, back off. Back off, sister. It was the best moment of the morning so far. Uh, there are more moments coming up, and I should tweet out a link to this guy's uh, Twitter account. with the, with the Tommy McFly is his name, and as we all know from radio, uh, McFly has been lifted from Back to the Future. This guy is not really Tommy McFly. I bet that's not on his driver's license unless he paid a lot of money to change it. But you can see the the Tommy McFly video. I'll I'll tweet it out. And um, coming up next hour, I need to cut loose on Al Sharpton. I just got a look from Shamont. I I need to throw the flag on Al Sharpton. We need to have some juxtaprogressive time. And somebody reminded me, don't forget, you said Donald Trump is a genius and you have proof. I will do that, too. I will take care of telling you about why I believe Donald Trump is a genius. And uh, it's also chocolate ice cream day. I'm sure we have chocolate ice cream coming in today, right? Isn't that true? We have chocolate ice No, I'm getting cross-eyed looks from everybody. We'll be right back. Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka only on the Blaze Radio Network. Happy Wednesday. I know. I know. What's so good about it? Well, you know, you're alive. It's another day above ground. You got all that going for you, which is nice. And, um, you, you are on this Blaze Radio Network, a network you built, so you should feel empowered. You should be part of this network. You should participate, either dialing in, 888-900-3393, 888-900-3393. Be a part of the conversation. I'm going to explain why Donald Trump is a genius. I'm also going to explain why I believe Fox News is going to have a comeback uh, in its ratings. It's had a little bit of a slip. Some of that to deal with uh, the loss of, of people like Bill O'Reilly, who I happen to think he was not given his day in court. And I, I don't like to see that. But I also I like to see... Uh, the truth being told, that's why I'd like to have O'Reilly should have had his chance. And speaking of Bill O'Reilly, typically Fridays, Bill O'Reilly joins Glenn Beck in the second hour of the Glenn Beck program. Not happening uh, this week. Didn't happen last week. Glenn's away. When Glenn returns, Bill returns. It makes you wonder if they're on some kind of buddy trip. 
Are they out hunting and fishing together and we're going to get the real story? You know that's not true because uh, you can you can watch what Glenn's up to on his Facebook channel. So, uh, but we will we will see the return of Bill O'Reilly a week from this Friday, second hour of the show with Glenn Beck. Uh, again, later in the show, I'm going to explain why Donald Trump's a genius. I I will tell you why. Additionally, why I think Fox is going to have a rebound in its ratings. Eventually, the people who have run over to MSNBC and elevated the ratings of people like uh, Rachel Maddow are going to get tired of all the hate. They're going to get tired of all the game playing. They're going to get tired of the fake news. And what am I talking about? Well, I'll give you an example, a really brief example. Last night I'm watching the, um, the show. What's the show with that really old guy? On MSNBC. Oh, yeah, Chris Matthews. Chris Matthews, the elder statesman, the guy who was working in the White House in the 60s, a guy who's been around so long. I, I, I just think it's time for a timeout. But last night, Chris Matthews actually asked a question of Senator Whitehouse um, that I, I, I couldn't believe he asked it. This was Chris Matthews, and, and tell me if you can pick up on the strange, the strange reality of this question. I, my head spun around. Does he understand the basic Western, well, the Western cultural world, I should say, notion of limited government? Does Trump understand that? What? What did Chris Matthews just ask? Chris Matthews talking about Donald Trump with... Senator, another, a Democratic senator, of course. So you have two Democrats on MSNBC in one of their bigger, higher-rated shows, and they're having a conversation, and Matthews asks this question. Does he understand the basic Western, well, the Western cultural world, I should say, notion of limited government? Does Trump understand that? Of course, the answer from the Democratic senator was no, he doesn't. And then I wonder when anyone's going to raise their hand and go, excuse me, excuse me, sir. If Donald Trump didn't understand limited government, if Donald Trump didn't understand smaller, more constrained government, why, why in the middle of March would President Trump have already signed four bills that reversed rules and regulations that shut down the onerous regulations the overreach of the previous administration on education, federal land use, to name a few. Four rules already canceled by Donald Trump. The Planning 2.0 Bureau of Land Management rule that expanded the government's role in land use decisions. That should be locally held. We didn't need the federal government. There was an Obama-era executive order requiring federal contractors disclose labor law violations and provide employees with information each pay period that allows them to ensure they are being paid what they were due. Now, yeah, everybody wants people to get fair pay, but to 
pour on these requirements will eat away at profits, especially on smaller businesses, which is what they have on the local level. There were also a couple of Department of Education rules related to teacher preparation programs and public school performance under the Every Student Succeeds Act of 2015. Donald Trump is the guy who is not filling the thousands of government jobs that Obama layered into the federal government because he wants it to be smaller. So, Chris Matthews, for you to ask that question, for you to even think that, is it's beyond Orwellian. The irony is palpable. My outrage is is more also uh, laughing at you as well as my my jaw dropping to realize you can't be this stupid, or perhaps you can be. Maybe it's just you need a timeout, sir. Maybe it's just you need a break, sir. But for you to ask a question about Donald Trump that ends with, does this guy understand? The importance, the concept of small government, limited government, it's just so ridiculous. You have to look around and go, did I wake up in bizarro world? You want more proof you woke up in bizarro world? You have to look no further than uh, another MSNBC employee, a guy named Al Sharpton. I have been aware of Al Sharpton for almost 30 years. I worked in New York City radio from 1988 until 2007. I worked around the city and saw Al Sharpton go from rabble-rousing street preacher to a White House advisor on race. Al Sharpton had an easy pass, fast pass, to get in and out of the White House during the Obama administration. And this is a guy who also has avoided paying his taxes, has danced around his tax-free nonprofit status for decades. A guy who perpetrated the, the massive fraud of the Tawana Brawley case on the entire country and absolutely got away with it. And now he's paid millions of dollars by MSNBC. He's respected. He's a race hustler. He's a guy who does things for his own benefit. And to call himself a reverend is an insult to everybody who actually lives the word and actually preaches the word. Sharpton is a race-hustling, slick, willy weasel. And if he were here today, I'd say it to his face. I refuse to call him reverend. Whenever people are on his show, they go, okay, Rev. Thanks, Rev. No, his... His status as a reverend is about as legitimate as mine. And yes, I own one of those internet ministries that I paid $75 so I could marry people on the radio. And yeah, I've done it. I bought a ministry through the Universal Life Church of Modesto, California, even a doctorate of divinity, so I could call myself Reverend Dr. Michael Opelka from the first church of the second chance because everybody deserves, say it with me, A second chance. Amen. So Al Sharpton's not a man of the cloth. He doesn't have a church. He's a weasel. He's a hustler. But outside of, we have granted him status in the Democratic Party. We've given him a free pass. He even ran for president. 
Do you remember that? Sharpton was asked about the Bill Maher controversy as he was coming out of Rockefeller Center in New York City. That's where MSNBC is headquartered, in case you didn't know. Al Sharpton, out on the street in front of Rockefeller Center, was asked about the Maher case because HBO didn't suspend Bill Maher. As a matter of fact, he's going to be on Friday night, and he's going to be, I believe he has um, Ice Ice Cube joining him. Ice Cube is going to join him and going to give him a lesson on the N-word. But this was Al Sharpton's reaction to the Bill Maher story. Gotta ask, man, with the Bill Maher stuff, how do you feel? I feel it was disgraceful. I think that I have a lot of respect for Bill. He's a friend. Been on the show many times, but he is totally wrong. This is outrageous. He must be held accountable. There is no joke about using the N-word. I've attacked rappers for it. I went after Imus when he des- denigrated those young women uh, at the uh, Rutgers basketball yeah. team. We went after Russian Limbaugh. You expect people that your friends to even be held to a higher standard. I'm very disappointed in Bill, and I think that to just say it and apologize and not have some accountability is not enough. It seems like he's almost getting a pass on Kathy Griffin, was, uh, you know, she the fault was but, terrible for her. But how do you get a pass for saying something like that? They weren't even talking about race. He just out of, no, out of nowhere took this. Have you felt you got so comfortable with us that you can denigrate us? Imagine if I got on my show and it said that about the whatever the word is for Italians or for Irish or for Jews or for gays. No one would have said apologize tomorrow. You've got to have one standard. And if the N word is not the bad word for blacks, what is it? Can you imagine the same week somebody wrote that word on LeBron James's home's gate? In the same town Bill Maher does his show, and you're going to end the week doing that? So if he was joking, maybe the guy that did that to LeBron's house will say he was joking too. We can't accept that. So Al Sharpton says we can't accept it. Al Sharpton says that you you can't have this word out there. You can't say that. You can't use the N-word. And he wants, he called it disgusting. He thought it was a problem. The same Al Sharpton, that's the exact same Al Sharpton who... When David Dinkins, the first black mayor of New York City, was in office. That's Al Sharpton. The same guy who was whipping up a crowd into a frenzy because he didn't agree with everything David Dinkins said. That was Al Sharpton who actually used the N-word to describe David Dinkins to a crowd of people in public, in New York, not once, not twice, but three times. You don't believe me? Well, come back after the break. I'll prove it to you. This is Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. 
Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Before the break, I was playing a clip from Al Sharpton from yesterday, or maybe it was the day before, as he was leaving MSNBC, and he was asked about Bill Maher and Bill Maher's use of the N-word and whether or not he should be punished. He should face some sort of reaction to that. And uh, Mr. Sharpton had some politically correct things to say. And I can't disagree with some of his analysis on uh, on the word and how he's called out rappers who use it. And so that being the case that we agree on that, I have to wonder... I have to wonder what Al Sharpton thinks about himself and about the recordings that surfaced not too long ago. As a matter of fact, I did the story on The Blaze in 2011 when these recordings surfaced with Al Sharpton actually referring to the first black mayor of the city of New York, a guy named David Dinkins, sidebar, horrible mayor, terrible mayor, under Mayor Dinkins, the off-track betting facility went bankrupt. It's pretty hard to make a gambling joint lose money. You know, it's it's just unbelievable to me, but Dinkins staffed it with his friends who knew nothing about running a gambling establishment, and the thing was bankrupt. And But Dinkins, bad mayor, not worthy of being called the N-word by Al Sharpton. And yet, this was Al Sharpton way back in the day in New York City when David Dinkins was the mayor. Al Sharpton, the words of Al Sharpton, the guy who just said that Bill Maher and and rappers, nobody should use that word. Al Sharpton, juxtaprogressive, you know, but it gets worse for Al Sharpton. Oh, how could it get worse? You're saying, how could it possibly get worse? He just called the mayor of New York the N-word five times in front of a crowd of people he was whipping up. Well, Al Sharpton was also appearing at a college, Kane College in New Jersey. Yes, he did. Kane College in New Jersey, Al Sharpton talking about white people and specifically how black people were superior to white people and he made some rather disparaging remarks about Greeks and gay people all in one speech. He talked about the white folks was living in caves while we was building empires. Al Sharpton's words, we taught philosophy and astrology and mathematics before Socrates And them Greek, and I'm going to use the word, homos, ever got around to it. You're saying, Mike, that can't happen. Shamont's in my ear going, that that never happened. Al Sharpton never said that, did he? White folks was in the cave when we had built empires. 
Wait a minute, did he just mention Donald Trump? We built pyramids before Donald Trump ever knew what architecture was. Sorry to stop you, Rev. I'll let you get your flow back. But they knew to admire us. We built pyramids before Donald Trump ever knew what architecture was. We taught philosophy and astrology and mathematics before Socrates and them Greek homos ever got around. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Juxta progressive. Now, Sharpton got called out by Jake Tapper, a very young Jake Tapper in 2003, called out for the remark, and Sharpton responded saying, quote, and I'm quoting, homo is not a homophobic term, but I do think the reference is irresponsible, and I don't go to it any longer. Didn't apologize. He just said it was an irresponsible reference. This is the same guy who went after Don Imus for saying something ugly, who now is going after his friend, Bill Maher, Don Imus, race baiter, racist. He's also said some very disparaging thing, things about our Jewish friends. And yet he is now paid millions of dollars a year from MSNBC. The Reverend Al Sharpton, everybody. And yes, I'm using air quotes around the word reverend. <sighs> Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Puro Pelka. I got to calm down. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network. All right, I'm back. I'm calm. And as a matter of fact, I'm calm and I did a little stretching out during the break. Why? Because I can. Thank you, Relief Factor. I do take Relief Factor breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's so easy to remember. Relief Factor is an all natural anti inflammatory. Somebody wrote to me. Uh, a, a casual listener wrote to me and said, why, why are you talking about this relief factor? What the heck is it? It's an anti-inflammatory and it's helped a lot of people. It helps thousands of blaze audience members and even a, a bunch of us here. And I used to run a lot, New York city marathons training for long races like that, dozens of 10 Ks, et cetera. And I wore out my knees and my hips were killing me. And about 13 and a half weeks ago, I started taking all natural relief factor. I got the three week quick start pack for 1995. I did just what the ads tell you. I called 800, 500, 8384. 
I ordered that three-week quick start pack. It showed up. I started taking it right away. You can get the details at relieffactor.com. You can find out what I found out, what Doc Thompson found out, what Brad Staggs found out, and so many others found out. I no longer need any pain relief because the irritation is gone, so the inflammation is gone, so the pain is gone, and it's natural. I was the guy who took a handful of of over-the-counter, those green gels, you know the ones I'm talking about, supposed to relieve pain. I was doing that every day. Stopped that 11 and a half weeks ago. You can too. Check out Relief Factor. Most people see results 7 to 10 days. Mine was on the 8th day. Call them, 800-500-8384. It's called Relief Factor, and it works for me. Uh, So much going on today. I am going to tell you about Donald Trump being a genius. I am going to explain to you why I believe Donald Trump is a genius. I'm also going to take a few more shots at the Senate Intelligence Committee that's holding these endless hearings that aren't going to get anything done. And we have to talk about Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin, of course. (sighs) Putin was interviewed last week by Megyn Kelly, and it paid off for Megyn Kelly. It paid off for NBC. They had gigantic ratings when uh, Megyn Kelly interviewed Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin is also the subject of a brand new, a brand new feature from uh, Oliver Stone. Oliver Stone is talking to Putin, and it's going to be on Showtime. I think it's going to be before the end of the month they are saying. But one of the interesting things about Putin is what what has turned up now. Putin, what a shock, is an unfiltered, unapologetic jack wagon. For example, we all know Putin is a guy who likes to think he's the he's the still the high school jock, right? He's 64. Vladimir Putin is 64. When when, uh, Oliver Stone showed up with his camera crew, Putin had already staged some events for him to witness. No, he wasn't riding the horse shirtless. You would expect that to happen, right? No, Vladimir Putin instead decided to do the other thing that he does at least once a year, and he sets up the ice hockey game where he plays against the team of of, uh, guys who get out of his way. This, this is just my favorite thing. If you watch these videos when they come out, Putin, Putin does, does this thing where he's on the ice, full hockey uniform, he's skating. And let's remember, he's 64 years old. He's in good shape, but he's 64 years old. You're not going to play against a 25-year-old hockey player at 64 the same way. The reflexes just aren't there. The skills aren't there. And if Vladimir Putin had truly been that great of a hockey player, He would have been on the Russian hockey team instead of busting heads with the KGB. He would have had Olympic gold instead of the goldies stolen from other people. So Putin puts on the fake hockey game for him and Oliver Stone gets to see him playing ice hockey. And he claims he exercises every every day. He's sounding a little bit more like Kim Jong-un and and Kim Jong-il, the North Korean leaders. But uh, Putin also announced 
that uh, he basically never has a day off. He, he doesn't need to take a day off because in his own words, and I'm going to use my best Vladimir Putin bad accent, I am not a woman, so I do not have bad days. I am not trying to insult anyone. It is just the nature of things. There are certain natural cycles. So Vladimir Putin is saying that men, men are, are able, only men are able to never take a day off because there are certain natural cycles. Can you imagine if an American politician had said that, the blowback that would happen? There'd be calls for resignation, you sexist pig, yada, yada, yada. He talked about his stamina and told Oliver Stone that he does not have a day off because of his gender. Now, Russia's also pretty oppressive when it comes to gays in their nation. We've heard about people being locked up. You saw what happened to the female punk band Pussy Riot, where they were persecuted. Well, uh, asked about homosexuals in in Russia and asked if there were a homosexual on a submarine, if Putin were in the Navy, would he shower next to a homosexual man while they were both serving on a submarine? Putin's answer tells you everything you need to know about him. He says, again, in my bad Putin voice, well, I prefer not to go to shower with him. Why provoke him? He seriously said that. Why provoke him? As if the sight of a naked Vladimir Putin is going to drive a gay man crazy with desire. Pooty Poot, you are too much. And then he also added, after saying, why provoke him? But you know, I am a judo master. So what are you saying, Vlad? If some guy were to come on to you, you'd, you'd judify him, you'd chop him up, you'd Jackie Chan him? This guy's the greatest. This series, this interview will be featured on Showtime. I wish we had a preview. Right now we don't. So that's the, the latest from the Putin file. Uh, just insanity. Uh, and I mentioned the Kim Jong-un situation. Kim Jong-un has a, a response. The rest of the world responded to Donald Trump pulling out of the Paris Climate Accord uh, the day it happened or the day after it happened. But apparently the word has just gotten to Kim Jong-un that uh, Donald Trump has pulled America out of the climate deal. And uh, Kim Jong-un, through the foreign ministry spokesperson from North Korea, is slamming Donald Trump for pulling out of the Paris Climate Accord. Uh, this is another reason why I'm going to explain to you why Donald Trump is a genius. Another, yet another reason. Pulling out of the climate deal. Kim Jong-un said that Donald Trump is selfish for pulling out of the climate deal. He said this is the height of egotism and it shows that the U.S. is in a moral vacuum seeking only their own well-being. Aren't we the country that helps you feed your starving people? Or at least we think we're helping you feed your starving people, Mr. Kim Jong-un. But you take all the money and everything anyone would send you in terms of relief and you turn it into, oh, I don't know, missiles that you're thinking about shooting at everybody? 
So when you're calling us selfish, when you're calling us morally bankrupt and living in a moral vacuum and the height of egotism, the guy who is basically starving his own nation so he can have his cognac and his Western hookers imported. I, I got to take a break. I, this, this guy's such an idiot. When we come back, okay, it's time. You've asked. You will get it. I will explain to you the rest of my theory about Donald Trump. Genius. That's next on Pure Opelka. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. I promised you I would uh, break down why Donald Trump is a genius. I, I woke up this morning and it hit me. Bing! Donald Trump, genius. Uh, a couple reasons why, but let me first of all give you a little bit of what he's doing today. The president landed in Cincinnati not long ago, and he got off Air Force One. He was getting ready to go meet with some people and give a, a speech at Air Force One. But here's the, the fascinating thing, another sidebar. We talked about Fox having a little bit of a comeback, and I think CNN's in some hot water. Fox was the only news net that showed his initial remarks right off Air Force One CNN was waiting at the arena where he was going, at the Riverside event he was attending. But Fox actually stopped because the president had a microphone set up. And this was Donald Trump about 35, 40 minutes ago. Obamacare is in a total death spiral. And the problems will only get worse if Congress fails to act. Obamacare is dead been saying it for a long time. Everybody knows it. Everybody that wants to report fairly about it knows. So the president did a couple of things there. First, he gets out of D.C. because he knows, and again, genius alert here, he knows that the press will have to follow him. And he knows the A-team of the press, the top reporters will have to follow the president. So he gets out of D.C. and makes a quick jump on a flight, short flight to Cincinnati, steps off the plane and makes a, a little address before he goes to make his big address. And he actually lays out the reason, the latest reason why Congress should get back to work on health care because it's in their hands. It's in the hands of the Senate right now. The House got a bill through. The Senate is going to rewrite it and then they will reconcile but the Senate needs to do something other than holding these intelligence hearings that are a waste of time. So Trump's making it real hard for them. He, he's absolutely doing the right thing without leaning on them. And I, I think this is brilliant. And he also talked about the American worker. He went back to talking about the importance of the American worker and why we need to have, 
I, I think he was talking about tradespeople. This goes back to the Mike Rowe story about how many great jobs there are available for people with a trade skill, people that can, can have jobs forever. So Donald Trump's out and about. Like I said, he's in Cincinnati talking about uh, the, the workers, talking about health care. He talked about infrastructure, saying America must have the best, fastest, most reliable infrastructure anywhere in the world, which if we make those capital improvements in this system, we will then see more jobs and a lot of those in the trades area coming into, into reality. And, and they'll, those are jobs that will go on for years. And those jobs could power this president and the economy through 2018 and all the way to 2020. But like I said, he made these, these comments, these statements about health care. And I, I think that's going to be one of the things that he will be able to push the Senate on. So back to Donald Trump, the genius. What more do I have to say about Donald Trump, the genius? As they were getting ready to talk about Jim Comey's testifying, as we're 19 hours, 5 minutes, and 45 seconds away from Jim Comey testifying, according to the CNN ridiculous countdown clock, what did Donald Trump do this morning? Uh, he released his pick his nominee for uh, the FBI, Mr. Gray, a guy who had uh, a Mr. Ray, not Mr. Gray, uh, Mr. Ray, who has been in both the Department of Justice, who has been in the, the federal court system, a guy who's also been in a private white shoe law firm. And he looks like he's a great candidate. So Christopher Wray tapped to be the next FBI director and Donald Trump distracts once again the media and the House and Senate from all of this whispering about collusion. But wait, there's more. Yesterday, in a discussion with lawmakers, Donald Trump talked about the, the wall. We haven't heard about the wall in a while, have we? When he talked about the wall, he talked about envisioning a wall that's 40 to 50 feet tall. That's a big wall. 40 to 50 feet tall, and guess what's on top of the wall? No, it's not the name Trump. He's talking about putting solar panels atop the wall along the southern border. Take that, Democrats. What are you going to say? We don't want to build Donald Trump's wall. Donald Trump gets to say, I guess you hate free green energy don't you donald trump brilliant two maybe three great moves today you're you're seeing the guy showing us the art of the deal we'll be right back This is Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka only on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back. Third hour, Pure Opelka. We still have a lot to get into, a lot to dig into. And we are still, let me give you the official total. Check your watch. Get your watch ready. Let's make sure. I don't want anyone to be late tomorrow. I don't want anyone to miss this tomorrow because this will be going on tomorrow uh, as I am uh, guest hosting 
the Glenn Beck Program here on the Blaze Radio Network. But we are 18 hours, 53 minutes, and 30 seconds now away from Jim Comey testifying. And if you're on the Fox Network, you have to add an hour. Because I'm guessing, I'm guessing CNN's going to do like a Super Bowl pregame. That we're going to like get a, a, a giant curved table with 87 people on it. And then they're going to have boxes with 22 other people coming in from other parts of the world. And just, come on. Come on, what are we doing? This is, it's getting to be too much. They don't even realize they're becoming a parody of themselves. You have somewhere between five and nine people on the set at all times, and they're all trying to get their opinion in which is pretty much all the same opinion, so you really don't need all those people. You could just have one. All right. I got, I'm ranting over. I, I'm just, I got to dial into the news of the day. Now, there, there was a story um, unfolding that we're trying to watch. I have a friend who is assigned to cover the uh, Cosby trial. And if I can get Bill on the horn to give us an update from what happened yesterday, I think it's, uh, it's incumbent upon us to cover this. This Bill Cosby trial is, is something for the people up in the Philadelphia area. If you're in the northeast part of the country, you know what I'm talking about. It's dominating the news. And everybody who's working in news has is, is already been assigned to go over there. So uh, the bizarre thing from yesterday... The thing that I caught, the thing that I need to see if Bill Zimfer can talk about, is what happened as Bill Cosby left the courtroom. There was testimony yesterday and some pretty harsh back and forth on, uh, on behalf of the prosecution and the defense. Really tough questions. And there were tears, all kinds of stuff. And at the end of the day, Cosby must have felt pretty confident He must have felt supremely confident because when he left, he had a really bizarre reaction. Now, going on outside of the building is is something pretty amazing. Going on outside of the building, there are a bunch of people who gathered, and every day as Cosby leaves, they give him a round of applause, and they cheer him on. And I, I know what you're thinking. You're going, wait, what? They're cheering on Bill Cosby as he leaves. Well, yeah, he's still allowed to have due process. Remember, these are all still uh, charges. And Bill Cosby is, like every one of us, allowed his day in court. And he should get it. I think we have to, we have to make sure our system never rushes to judgment, never cuts off anybody. We have to make sure every single person gets that, that fair trial. So it's with this in mind that I was watching the, um, the departure from the building and Cosby walking out of the building and at 79 years old and he's saying that he's pretty much blind right now, that Bill Cosby um, needs help getting to the car and he certainly got, as I said, this group of people sympathizing. So as he's getting out of the building and being escorted to the Escalade that's waiting to take him away, Bill Cosby 
gives the audience a little fat Albert. I know what you're thinking. Wait, what? No, he didn't. Yes, he gave him a little, hey, hey, hey. Now, if you're not feeling confident about the, the day in court and the testimony from the person who accused you of drugging them and then sexually abusing them, you don't come out of the courthouse going, hey, hey, hey. This is a little, a little clip of Cosby just walking from the back door of the courthouse over probably 60 feet to the Escalade that's waiting on him. He's waving. I can't, I can't believe it. People are saying, I'm going to sing a song for you, and Bill Cosby gives him a little fat Albert. And he gets a hey, hey, hey back. It's the strangest thing. It reminds me in, in many ways of, of the Michael Jackson trial and the people that lined up every day to cheer Michael on. It reminds me of, of even in some ways the Bernie Madoff trial. There were people cheering on Bernie Madoff despite the fact that he stole people's fortunes and lives. And, and the OJ trial when people thought, well, the OJ, OJ trial had sex, drugs, celebrity, and murder. So it was kind of like a soap opera. But this, this Cosby trial, just now I, I'll see if I can get our buddy Bill on the, on the horn here in the break to see if we can, we can talk about this. It's just, it, it just amazes me that he would come out of the courthouse facing all of this, and it's, it's a serious charge, but facing all this, and then he would, he would give us a hey, hey, hey. It's really scary. The Trump family is also in the news today. As we, we talked about my, my view of Donald Trump and, and how he is showing Washington and the career politicians that he's a genius. And I have to get into some of the charges there. But there's also another story uh, that, that bubbled up today and surprised me. And involves Piers Morgan. Are you aware of Piers Morgan? Yeah, he was a, a judge on America's Got Talent for years and years and years. He also had a show on CNN for about a minute. He replaced Larry King and failed miserably, was paid a fortune to replace Larry King and fail miserably. And now he's back in, in uh, Great Britain on Good Morning Britain. Does anybody come up with an original idea? It's, they all do the same shows. It looks like the Today Show or Good Morning America in England. But Piers Morgan is the, the male anchor. It's a male and a female. And he's the male anchor, and they had yesterday the mayor of London on the show. And Donald Trump got a significant portion of heat for being critical of the mayor of London. And a lot of people said, Why, well, you, you, how dare you? And the mayor of London fired back that he wasn't really keen on having Donald Trump's state visit that the queen has requested and invited, but he was on with Piers Morgan, and I think this surprises me because Piers Morgan is a guy who's anti-Second Amendment. Piers Morgan could not be one of the, but he could be one of the most vocal critics of firearms in our Second Amendment who ever had media rights in this country, whoever was paid millions to let his voice be heard. 
But this was Piers Morgan actually playing pretty tough with the mayor of London. And why was he playing tough with them? Well, apparently everybody knew who these guys were. The guys that, that pulled off the deadly attack. The guys who are now dead themselves. But at least, you know, Donald Trump was tough on the mayor of London. And he got a, a load of crap for it. But here's Piers Morgan being tough. And I'm, I'm giving Piers Morgan a thumbs up on this and his co-host as well. But check this out. You are mayor of the capital city where the most recent terrorist attack has taken place. How many of those 400 have come back to London? Uh, the, the estimate is just over half. So what they're talking about is 400 citizens of London who went and trained, trained with ISIS. And so there were 400 that they know went there and just over half. That means more than 200 are back in England. Where are at, they? When you look at, well, when you look at the... Oh, no, seriously, where are, are they? are letting people back in to the UK who've le- who haven't just been trained? They've actually fought potentially against our troops. How are we letting them back in without... What a great question. What a great question from uh, both Piers Morgan and this woman, whose name I apologize for not knowing. But this, they're, they're actually cornering the mayor. He looks a little uncomfortable, a little unhappy about this, but they press further. Exactly where they are and what they're up to. Because out of all the thousands of people that we're concerned about, surely those who've actually gone to fight are the biggest risk. Well, that's one of the reasons why it doesn't make sense for the government to be cutting resources but from where those... where are they? You're well, the mayor of this hold, capital respect, city. Where are second. they? I can't follow 400 people. What I can do is make sure... Why, why policies, can't? Because we can, what we can do, though, is make sure we've got the resources for the police and the experts well, to follow Why can't you people. instruct the police? Why can't you call Cressida Dick right now well, and say why. every one of those people who's come why. back from a war zone who's in London, I want why. them followed? Let me see. Well, first of all, you'll notice the answer. The immediate answer when you tell a progressive that you're not doing your job, that these terrorists, and they know who they are. There were 400 who went over. He knows the number that just over 200 actually came back after being trained by ISIS in fighting, in terrorism. They know the names. They know the number. They know the exact number of these people. They know who they are. They likely know where they are. And what does he say? First of all, he changes the game and says, "Uh, there's 400. I can't keep track of them. Well, a minute ago, you said there were 200. So now you're making it sound like your job is bigger. No. And the second thing he says is we don't have enough money. That's always the answer is throw more money at us. Throw more money. He continues. And again, Piers Morgan surprises me. Piers Morgan plays actual good journalistic tough guy and citizen of a town that was just attacked by people that the government knew about, that the government was aware of, that the government allowed to come back into the country after being trained by terrorists. Because the Met Police budget, roughly speaking, 15% to 20% is funded by me, the mayor. The rest comes from central government. If the Met Police budget is being shrunk and reduced, they've got to prioritize and use their resources in a sensible, savvy way. What could be a bigger priority than people coming back from a Syrian battlefield with intent to harm British citizens? What a brilliant question. Piers Morgan, God bless you for finally waking up to the reality of this threat. I'll bet you he's actually going to a gun range this day. I'll let the mayor stumble around again trying to say there's got to be more money thrown at the problem. 
wrong, sir. Why is it not the number one priority? Why are these people just allowed to come back in in the first place and then the London mayor doesn't appear to have a clue where any of them are? I mean, well, no disrespect to you, but where are they? Well, that's one of the questions that obviously the police and security services are, yeah, but are looking into. But this, this, but this chap... I love that. You're the mayor. You're the mayor. You are the police. You are the head of it all. You're the, you're the chief executive of this. Sadiq, you're the mayor but, of London. Sure, but can I say... Look, the three men responsible for the attack on Saturday night hadn't come from overseas. They were, for all intents and purposes, integrated into our way of life. Yes, and one of them had been overseas, and one of them had been trained, just not in an Afghanistan training camp. You have guys that have been overseas. You have guys that have connection. One of them was in a documentary unfurling an ISIS flag. How much more information, how much more detail do you need, sir? I got to give Piers Morgan some props today, and I never thought I'd be doing that. But this is, this is the kind of questioning I would love to see our guys doing instead of saying, why is Donald Trump insulting the mayor of London? Why is Donald Trump calling for a travel ban? I'll tell you why. So we don't end up being like this nation our best friend getting a terror attack seemingly happening once a week. All right, calming down. Step inside. Step away. Step back. Let's let's look for some fun. I'll be back after a break. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. I got to give you a number. I know you know the number to call in here if you want to talk, but this number will, will I tell you this number, if you're dealing with chronic pain, you're dealing with all kinds of issues with your joint pain because of inflammation in those joints. If you give them a call and give it a try, relief factor, 800, 500, 8384. I got the three week quick start pack, and that was 13 and a half weeks ago. I take Relief Factor breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's so, so easy, so simple. It's all natural. It's not pharmaceuticals, it's not drugs, it's all natural ingredients that reduces the inflammation in my joints. And guess what? I'm not taking over the counter pain meds, I'm not taking prescription pain meds. I'm doing more. I'm playing more golf. I'm actually able to get out and about and run around the garden. I'm actually enjoying my life and not re, not regretting not living with pain. So check it out. Relief Factor, 
Don't wait like I did. I could have been feeling this better six months ago. That's when Brad Staggs first told me about it. Go to relieffactor.com and get more information. Or just give him a call and ask him the questions. Get the quick start pack. Three weeks, 1995. Relief Factor, 800-500-8384. I know I said I was going to talk about uh, progressivism and uh, juxtaprogressives. And I've been mentioning things all day. We talked about Sharpton talking out of one side of his mouth and then the other side. We talked about uh, Chris Matthews asking the question if Donald Trump has any idea what, what small government principles are. Wait, what? This is the guy who was advocating for single-payer health care for everybody. Just insanity. But the insanity of, of the year might go to Bernie Sanders. I know what you're thinking. Wait, what? Yeah, Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is the guy who's, you know, he's talked about, we have to have health care for everybody. We have to take, it's, we have enough to take care of everybody. And so Bernie Sanders is the guy who identifies himself as a democratic socialist who wants everybody to, to win, everybody to survive and thrive. But Bernie Sanders just now received almost $800,000 as an advance for his book. Bernie's going to write a book about the benefits of socialism, and guess who's going to benefit? Bernie. Bernie's the guy going to get the biggest chunk. He's got to be the biggest juxtaprogressive so far. And if we add in the fact that after Bernie lost to Hillary in the rigged primary and then suddenly bought a a lake house up in Vermont, his third home, three homes, Bernie Sanders, I I don't think he's he's putting them all up online and letting people stay. It's not like a hostel for for, uh, Bernie fans. But this just proves what you've known all along. That politicians are full of soup. That politicians will tell you one thing and then do another. And this is exactly why so many of us voted for Donald Trump to drain the swamp. We just have to keep reminding him that we have to drain the swamp. We have to do the things we promised. One of the guys who's doing that is Rand Paul. There's a story on The Blaze I'll, I'll tweet out a link to. Rand Paul reminding us all that voters are going to be mad at us if we don't fulfill our promises. And we have to do that. I'm up against the wall here. i got to dive into a couple more topics. We'll take care of business when we get back on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network.
Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Welcome back. Waiting on a call from my buddy Bill Zimfer. He's a, a news guy, works for NBC Radio News, and he's, he's covering the Cosby trial, so maybe we'll get a quick update. When they're on break up there, he has to run out into the hallway and get on the phone. You know, it's like the old days when they run out in the hallway and get on the phone. There was a story that MSNBC and a few other progressive outlets are pushing with the, this narrative trying to smear Eric Trump and his charity. Eric Trump has for years been supporting the St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. And St. Jude does remarkable work that helps so many kids. You've seen the commercials. You know what it's about. And I'm sure as a parent, Eric Trump knows the, the great fear. Look, I'm an uncle. You guys know about one of, my, one of my nephews. I also have nieces, many of them. They're all amazing. I talk about Riley because he's the, the one I follow on the tennis trails. But I have nieces and nephews, who one of which has some great challenges and has been helped by people like St. Jude's and by people like Make-A-Wish. She battles some pretty big challenges. So when I see somebody like Eric Trump, who has a whole lot in his life, doing some things for St. Jude's and they've raised a lot of money, get dragged into the mud by some of the mainstream media, I just wonder, what the heck are you guys doing? The Eric Trump Foundation, based on a letter from the people at St. Jude's, the Eric Trump Foundation has helped raise over $13.9 million in 10 years. They, the letter is, is everywhere now today. Now, there are questions being raised that did, did the Eric Trump Foundation overcharge or take out too much money for operating the golf tournament that they've run benefiting St. Jude's? Well, in, in 2016, the Eric Trump Foundation contributions were $3.6 million, $310. million. $310 with 2.9 received directly from the foundation. And they're talking about their various fundraising activities. Well, a, a investigative journalist was trying to make sure that the Trump foundation was as charitable as they've been saying. So they looked into this and they found that in the early years, more than a decade ago, they charged $50,000 to use the golf course and some years it went as high as 300 and some years it was as low as 150. And as somebody who's, who's been involved in charitable golf tournaments for years, those costs do change and they vary over, over the years because sometimes they have different things happening at those golf events. So I can understand why those numbers would vary. What I can understand is this entire scorched earth effort to try and do anything to tear down anyone whose last name is Trump. Oh, yes, I can't understand because they hate everybody. Everybody named Trump. The mass media is just so against the Trump family. And it's got to be disheartening, especially when you're doing uh, so much work on behalf of people who need it. Charities like St. Jude's. 
So MSNBC, your witch hunt, and yeah, I'm going to use the Trump term, witch hunt, really is embarrassing. Still waiting on my buddy Bill Zimfer. He should be calling any second now, I hope. And we're noticing all of a sudden with 19 hours, 18 hours and 20 minutes left to go until Comey testifies, there are all kinds of leaks coming out. Now, when we heard about this Comey meeting with Trump, when Comey first told us about it, there were rumors, there were allegations, there were charges that there was going to be or asked for a loyalty pledge from Jim Comey to the president. And it made Comey feel bad. And we didn't hear it again, but now it's coming up again because Comey has released his prepared remarks ahead of this testimony. So you'll be able to read the prepared remarks before we even talk to him. This is going to be two days of this. We're now going to destroy uh, this the next day by parsing every bit of these prepared remarks. I, I don't understand why you're allowed to release these remarks a day ahead. Maybe it's because the testimony is starting so early, and I guess the West Coast media was howling because it'll be 7 o'clock on the West Coast. Oh, Bill's there? Okay. Um, I'm going to pause for a minute. We're going to talk to my buddy Bill Zimfer. Bill is uh, a news guy. He's based out of Philly, and uh, he's a guy I, I love to hear about, uh, all, all of his exploits. And uh, we're going to ask him to give us an idea. Hey, Bill, what's going on? What's up? What's happening? Glad you're here. Tell us about the Cosby trial. Well, well thank you. Good to be with you, Mike. Uh, it, it's been, uh, it got off to a really fast start on, on Monday. And uh, yesterday we got our feature witness, uh, Andrea Constant, on the stand. Oh, so she actually testified and did she get cross-examined as well? Well, she, she was on the stand for four hours total. Cross-examination did get underway yesterday, but the, it was too late in the day to really continue it. So uh, it's going to be continued today. Uh, it started off with uh, Constant explaining her story under questioning by the prosecution uh, that Bill Cosby, how he gave her pills, uh, she basically lost consciousness, and, uh, and he assaulted her. Uh, when cross-examination started, uh, they really drilled down on some of the details that she gave to authorities when she finally did report the case more than a year later and uh, pointed out some inconsistencies there, like uh, Andrea Constant told authorities that it was the first time she had been alone with Bill Cosby. That was proven to be untrue under cross-examination. And the, uh, the other thing is that she told authorities she had very limited contact with him after the incident. That's when the uh, defense pulled out phone records that showed that she had called Bill Cosby 72 times after wow. the incident, sometimes talking for up to 40 minutes at a time. So that's what they're going to be hitting on here, the inconsistencies in her story and her reliability as a witness. That is amazing. So the the story has some serious holes in it. And the cross-examination, Bill, um, I, I guess it's going to continue today, but one of those attorneys seems to be um, pretty well. These guys know what they're doing. The defense attorney—they've got a, a female defense attorney doing the cross-examination, the the heavy part of it. Correct? This Angela Agrusa. Yeah. yeah. 
She's the one that uh, cross-examined, uh, started the cross-examination anyway yesterday of uh, Andrea Constan. Brian McMonagle is the lead defense attorney, and in his opening statements on Monday, he was very, very uh, vigorous in his uh, presentation, and he actually cross-examined the fir- first witness, Kelly Johnson, who is the only other woman we're going to hear from who alleges that Bill Cosby assaulted her, and he was very, very vigorous in his crom- cross-examination of her. Uh, Angela Grusa was a little more subdued, a little slower in her pace of cross-examination. But when asked about that yesterday, uh, she said, we're just getting started. Yeah, that that quote gave me chills. I read that. I didn't, I can't imagine what it's like to be in that courtroom. But when, when that attorney would look at you and say, we're just getting started. Yeah. After tearing down a lot of the basic fundamentals in, in your your statements, oh, this is going to be... This is going to be interesting going forward. Bill, how long will this last, this trial? They expect this trial to last two weeks. Now, that's what they thought at the beginning, but it seems to me that it could be moving a little bit quicker than expected. Of course, we're only in the prosecution phase, and then um, the defense will get its chance. But uh, we have already heard from our major witnesses in the case. So the first two days of this basically gave us the two biggest bits of testimony that we're going to see from the prosecution side and on the other side the defense will then get its chance this this i i think you're right i think this is going to move quicker than the two weeks and and hopefully we'll we'll get this resolved and the people of pennsylvania won't have to pay for putting up the jurors and you know i think that's it just makes me crazy that we're housing jurors from pittsburgh and they're sequestered yeah. and all that stuff Bill Zemfer, thank you so much. I appreciate you, and hopefully we'll get you back another day if you've got the time. Hey, anytime, Mike. Thanks, Bill, and uh, we'll be right back on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network. I can't believe today's almost over. I can't believe we're wrapping up. And it feels like Christmas Eve for me because tomorrow, not only do we get the Jim Comey testimony, but I get to host the Glenn Beck program. (sighs) Yay. And this show. So we'll be doing a double tomorrow. I will be here instead of Glenn tomorrow and Friday, so you're welcome to get here a little earlier, and uh, then we will continue. It'll be a six-hour Puro Pelkathon, and there's enough to cover, please. I also would like you to go to uh, theblaze.com, click on the channels, and follow me, and I'm going to mention that several times tomorrow when we're on the big show, so we can catch up to Doc Thompson, who seems to be uh, lengthening his lead, so we'll get into that. Earlier in the show, when I announced uh, my belief that Donald Trump is, in fact, a genius by him showing his political savvy over just the past couple of days, I'm going to add to that. Uh, His pick, his selection, his nomination of Christopher Wray for the head of the FBI, what did I tell you? I said I believed he was going to have an easy confirmation by the Senate. Well, I reached out to one of my senators, Democrat Chris Coons of Delaware, 
and I wrote to him to get uh, his opinion on it. And he just instantly, as we were coming back from break, I got an email from Chris Coons. Mike. Yeah, that's how he addresses me. Mike. Chris Ray is a serious and experienced attorney who has worked both in private practice and at the Department of Justice, where he was the assistant attorney general in charge of the criminal division. I'm encouraged that President Trump has nominated someone with significant federal law enforcement experience rather than a career in partisan politics, as was rumored over the past several weeks. As a member of the Judiciary Committee, I look forward to closely and thoroughly reviewing Mr. Ray's full background and meeting with him soon. It is critical, particularly at this moment, for the FBI to have strong, respected, and independent leadership. From the horse's mouth, from one of the guys I think is now considered to be a leader in the Senate, and a guy I respect greatly. He's, uh, he's, a, he's a good man. He's a little too liberal for me, obviously. But I believe Chris Coons is a guy who believes in bipartisan government. I believe he thinks that there can be common ground found on most issues. So uh, you heard it. We predicted it earlier, and now it looks like if, if Chris Coons is, is the uh, litmus test, if he's the bellwether, I think we're looking forward to a pretty quick and easy confirmation of Christopher Ray, and we will have, once again, a, an FBI with a, a full and fully confirmed leader. So looking forward to that. Uh, also, I mentioned earlier, I don't know if I hit enough fake news today, but I have to, I have to get the fake news stamp out from the president, and he's got to tell a Time Magazine. What would you tell Time Magazine, Mr. President? You are fake news. Of course they are. Now, why are we calling Time Magazine fake news? Because of this headline that just came out today. How Donald Trump has dishonored the meaning of D-Day. What? Uh, this is from uh, Daniel Benjamin, who was the coordinator for counterterrorism in the State Department and is a director of the John Sloan Dickey Center for International Understanding at Dartmouth. So this guy's resume smacks of liberalism. And he's just taking apart Donald Trump and saying that the, the reason that, that Trump is pushing our allies away and he's going to hurt us in the long run. And he's saying this not just because of the fact that Donald Trump is a conservative, but this also relates to, guess what, the climate accord and the fact that we're pulling out the climate accord. I, I'm sorry. I, I don't agree with you. He does say that Reagan was objectionable to some and most leaders across Europe understood him and his commitment to the West. But with Trump, there is no such commitment, no such respect. This goes back to Donald Trump not standing up and absolutely using the words Article 5 while he was at the NATO summit, which was affirming Article 5. So between not using the words Article 5 and withdrawing us from the Climate Accord in Paris, which was a horrible deal, this guy is saying that Donald Trump has ruined and dishonored the meaning of D-Day. I'm sorry, I don't agree. All you have to do, Mr. Benjamin, is realize how many Americans are currently in the Pacific right now 
off the coast of Japan, off the coast of China, off the coast of Russia, off the coast of South Korea, taking care of our allies. So, Mr. Benjamin, you and your fake news story get it officially from the president's mouth. You, Mr. Benjamin. You are fake news. Thank you, Mr. President. Tomorrow you got to join us. It's going to be a busy day. And uh, I want you to participate. But tell your friends, Puro Palka starts earlier tomorrow, three hours earlier. They might be calling it the Glenn Beck program, but you and I know what the real name is. Testudo, my friends. Testudo. Opelka. With Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Do you love all things Glenn Beck? Would you like to know what's always happening in the world of Glenn? 